around the world and here at home, bringing relief, hope, and the life-changing message of Jesus. You're listening to the Mize Missions Podcast with Terry Mize. Hello and welcome to the Terry Mize Ministries Podcast. This is Lynn Mize. I'm sitting here with Terry and Renee Mize, and we're talking about missions. We've been talking about missions um, over the last few weeks. We've been talking about um, giving to orphans and orphanages and that sort of thing. We're involved in lots of things like that, lots of outreaches. You can find out more about it at terrymizeministries.com, T-E-R-R-Y-M-I-Z-E.com. And, and Dad, we were talking on last week's podcast, and of course, all of these podcasts are archived, so if you've missed any of them, go back and find them. You can find them on iTunes, Podomatic, and we put them up on our website, so they're easy to find. Um, we were talking, we've talked a little bit about the difference between missions and outreach. We've talked about how missions has become sort of a catch-all phrase. That they just, if, if, if ministries want to raise money, or anybody wants to raise money in, in the church world, they slap the name missions on it and run with it, and that doesn't always mean that it's missions. No, that's right. That's right. It's it's a very overused and very abused word in the in the church today, and it just kind of becomes the catch-all tag or the catch-all title for anything anybody wants to do. And uh, and some pastors, I've I've known pastors that just it doesn't matter what they give out of their church, they just call it missions. You know, what I mean, if they send their if they send their praise team off to a symposium somewhere or a seminar somewhere, say Colorado or somewhere, uh, to a praise symposium and uh, they call that missions, you know, and if they, uh, it just doesn't matter what they do. If they, if they write a check, they call it missions. And of course, uh, and they're, they're the pastor, they're autonomous. They can do anything they want to, you know, but, but to try to pull it into perspective, then, you know, as a missionary myself and, and, and as God's called me in the office of apostle, then, then, uh, you know, pastors that I have authority with and favor with and, and, uh, communion with and, and a relationship with, then you know I'll correct them and say no 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 here's what missions is that's not mission this is mission let's let's put the proper tags on these things and other pastors I don't say a thing in the world to them because I'm not an apostle to them or I'm not you know I don't I just preach in their church and are they're a friend but you know I'm not uh, I don't have any kind of uh, you know input into their life none of my business what they do yeah well I'm glad you brought that up about being an apostle because that's one of the things that 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 you do it's part of your calling is that when you're in a church. As part of that apostolic anointing, um, you you know people say, brother Terry, you say some hard things, but that's sort of that's really part of what you do and who you are. And in all through the Bible, we see that apostles bring correction. And so when when we're talking about misuse of the term missions or misuse of missions money, um, and it becoming a catch all, then we're not saying that because because we want the money because we're missionaries. It sounds you know some people think it sounds like sour grapes. It's sure. not that. It's a it's it's a balance um to in, in bringing correction and saying this is out of balance let's rein it in no that's exactly right and, and a lot of times i've not said things over the years because i was number one i was young uh number two i you know it sounded like sour grapes uh and you know now i've been around for a while now and people recognize me a lot of churches say you know hey you're you're an apostle you know paul said this in first corinthians chapter nine verse two he said i'm not an apostle to everybody but i am to you and so I was just in a large church last week, dear friends, uh, Robin Gould and Robin and Marlon Gould out of Victor Christian Center in Charlotte. Uh, they've got a dome that seats 5,000 people, and so I was ministering. And, and Pastor Gould just told the people over and over, he said, now, now Brother Terry is an apostle to us. He said, he's an apostle in this church, and I want you to listen to him uh, as an apostle. I want you to listen to this apostolic calling. 
and uh, what he says as an apostle. So he, you know, he really made that distinction. And uh, that's not to me to make that distinction is over the individual pastor. Yeah, that makes a big difference too, because it's not up. It's not up to the minister, is it? It's up to the person how they receive you. I've seen people come up to you and say, "Brother Terry, um, you're a father in the faith. Would you would you be my father in the faith?" And you always say, "Sure," but then it's in the ball's in their court. Well, and, you don't, I, and you don't, I tell them that. I say, well, that's, not, them. "That's not really up to me. That's up to you." Right. I've had pastors come up to me and say, "Oh, brother Terry, would you be an apostle in my church?" And I said, "Well, pastor, that's really not up to me. It's up to you." If you accept me, if you receive me as an apostle uh, in your life or in your church, then I can speak into your life. I, you know, but otherwise, I I just come and speak like anybody else, and you know, you can listen or not listen or or whatever. But it's up to you uh, who who's an apostle in your life. Yeah, Renee, I mentioned um, uh, um, on one of the previous podcasts we were talking about how you've been on on both sides of this thing now, you know, as a, as a, as a pastor, as a teacher, now you're full on, you know, in, in, uh, in missions and doing exactly. all these things. And so, you know, you've got a unique perspective when it comes to some of this stuff. How do you, how do you, um, what's a good way to say it? How do you receive that apostolic anointing? Cause I know some people get their, feelings in a bunch right you know because there's that correction right and uh you know it's important i heard a I heard a man say one time that that you know you could you know who who in your life has the ability to get on to you right you know that there's right. a big there's a big deal and, and and again that's that's something that's that's the ball's in your court not theirs you know you have to receive them in that capacity so you know what do you think about the apostolic anointing and 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 how do you receive it i mean i i know i grew up with it right. it's it's not it's not the warm cozy cuddly no. anointing but <laughs> but it's very necessary well you know the apostles are like the marines mm-hmm. you know there's just a few and uh, everybody's not one and uh, they hit the beach first uh, they take the arrows you know they they hit the enemy first they get there first and then they make it possible for all the rest of the services to get there. They make it possible then for the the evangelist and the and the pastor and the teacher, you know, to and the prophet to come to come after them. Mm. And, and, and apostles, uh, the Bible tells us in in the book of Acts uh, two forty two, it says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayer. So that there is an apostles' doctrine. Uh, that one of the job of the apostles is to establish doctrine. And then the other job is to come along and correct doctrine. Uh, you know, Brother Hagen used to uh, used to tell us that nobody really knows. Most of the church doesn't even know what an apostle is. That anytime you say, if you just ask the general church person anywhere around the country, just say, "Tell me what an apostle is," they'll give you the standard answer of uh, he starts churches, and and that's all they ever know. But uh, I, I've often said, well, the, the apostle doesn't, or they say he builds churches. And, and I've often said, well, the apostle doesn't really build churches. He builds the church. Mm. He builds the church. And so that's his job to go around and build the church. And, you know, the apostle is the only one of the gifts that can do the other four. He can pastor. He can, he can be a prophet. He can be the pastor. He can be the teacher. He can be the evangelist. He's the only one of the five that can do the other four. And so it's just a different anointing, a different calling. I remember you kids and mom used to say to me over the years, if, if I if I had to go get on to somebody about uh, falling morally or being in adultery or or, or 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 you know doing something wrong in the ministry, if I had to go get on to them about it, uh, I remember y'all you, you kids would say and, and and Jackie would say, well why why is that any of your business? You know why do you care? Why does it upset you so badly if no, somebody right. if somebody's doing wrong in the ministry? And and I'd tell you I said, well it's because of the calling I have. And because of the organizations that I've been in, I'm actually over these people. 
and, and I have to go correct them. Otherwise, it wouldn't be any of my business. I mean, if somebody just, you know, there's there's probably pastors, you know, within a mile of where we're sitting, you know, in every kind of denomination. It's none of my business what they do. But they're those that I'm an apostle to them or I'm in the apostle's office to them or they're part of an organization that I'm I'm in charge of or I'm in authority over, then it becomes my apostolic anointing and, and duty to to go and deal with that and try to help them and try to rescue them. And yeah, go ahead. Um, back to your original question, the the concept being, Lynn, is that as Terry was saying, most people don't understand the apostle. They don't understand the gift or the calling. And a lot of folks in denominational churches don't even understand the need for the fivefold or four, however they see it, the plurality of that. But the apostle ministry for Dean and I, when we were pastoring, was that Terry would come in and, as he said, say the hard thing, say the truthful thing. Nowadays, uh, what I have seen over the last 15, 20 years is that um, political correctness, seeker-sensitive, the fragile mental-emotional state of not only the American people but the American church, so that pastors literally, or the apostle when he comes in, has to almost literally say, um, what to the congregation, you know, to the ministry, what do I have to say this morning? How do I say it to you that I can dumb the gospel down so much that that I have to preach it at such a low place of delivery that it won't offend you <laughs> and you will actually listen and begin to understand what I'm trying to say to you. How dumb do I have to make this? And so the apostles ministry doesn't really get the the due uh, appreciation that the people need to give it. And it's a very unique ministry in that it comes in and delivers with a specific uh, place, a specific, a specific um, focus of what he's trying to say to the church, the message for the hour. Like Terry's been going in now for uh, two or three years, if not before that, focusing on and talking to the church about having their spiritual authority. And as we've seen the rise of terrorism, as we've seen the rise of of um, a, a very liberal wrong thinking about individual liberty and individual uh, trustworthiness on the focus of, the, of that people can really ha- be smart enough to handle their own money. They can be smart enough to get a job, make money, and raise their families. And we've talked about between the two of us that we're in a nation and a time on the earth where people are, are it's a fatherless generation and it's an unchurched generation. And not only unchurched, but uninformed about the truth of the gospel. And that's how very, 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 very important the apostolic ministry is and what Terry says and preaching on spiritual authority to come in and say, get up off of your lazy <laughs> mindset. <laughs> Blessed assurance. And get in there and rise up and take authority and stop this foolishness of laying back and and arguing over vocabulary and how it was said and and the lack of delivery or or somebody offended your personality that is so immature in the church and out there in the world to where you can't even have a discussion somebody can't even say the truth without you miss the the validity and the accuracy of the comment because you were so offended by the tone or the person and that has happened that has come into our church and we have not been able to receive the truth and because we can't receive the truth then we cannot we're not going to see miracles and we're not going to see the blessing and the prosperity and the healing at both physically and mentally that the church is so desperately in need of today 
Yeah, that's 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 a that's a hard truth, but it is a truth. Well, it is a truth, and people have so uh, become backward. We we haven't not only not gone forward, but but leadership in the church has has dragged the church backward. I quoted to Terry when we were talking yesterday. I said uh, there in Hebrews ten, it says, "We are not of those that put our hand to the plow and look back." And I said, that's what Lot's wife did. That's why she turned into a pillar of salt. You become nothing but salt and therefore not worthy of it tasting. We can't even we can't even partake of you because you're nothing but salt. And that's how the world has become. They've turned into salt. The church has become those that put their hand to the plow, but we've looked back and things of the world and our our own soul, spirit, and body now are become God. And we can't hear anything that the man of God is saying, and we can't receive truth. Yeah, we need a we need a strong dose of suck it up buttercup, don't we, in the church? I mean, we God Almighty, yeah, we, yes. You may notice that, they, that, that the church calendar is always full of Pastor Appreciation Day, but never Apostle Appreciation Day. <laughs> never, that's never right. Missionary Appreciation Day. That's no, right. that's right. I I, I I spoke to a man the other day who said uh, a minister who said he said, you know, I've always felt like that uh, apostles and missionaries were kind of the fighter pilots of the ministry. You know, <laughs> they kind of. They they're kind of out there getting shot at, you know, flying by the seat of their that's pants. Exactly you know, right. that's why getting, that's why I said done. that's why I said the, the apostle ministry is the is 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 like the Marine Corps to the to the services. You hit the beachhead yeah, first. Yeah, they're forerunners. Uh, you take the arrows. You take the you know you're willing to go. Paul said Paul said you know I have to go to Rome. They they cried and begged him not to go. Right. Fell on over on him and he said why why do you make this a do and weep? He said I have to go. I can't. Not right. go. He said that's woe right. to me if I don't preach the gospel. I have to go. And uh, Agabus the prophet came out and tied his hands up and said, "You'll right. be you'll be bound just like this." He's I I can't help it. And they said, "Paul, if you go, you'll be you'll be put in jail." Uh, and he said, "He said I'm willing to be put in jail and to die also." And that's exactly what happened to well, him. He was put in jail and died also. We quote that verse so often in services, but none of these things move me. Well, Paul said that <laughs> right at that day, and that's a that's the day when you know, like no news. All the news you get that day is bad news. In other words, if you go do this, this is what's going to happen to you. And I think, you know, back when Terry got the call at 13 that he was going to be a missionary, and then later on when he went at 16, and then later on again at 18, and he and Jackie got married, they went and did this. It was like none of those things move him. None of those things moved him. And that's that's really the commitment that every apostle makes, is that it's going to be hard. I'm not going to be received everywhere I go. I'm going to be criticized for what I say and what I do and how I say it. I'm going to I'm going to try to smooth out my rough edges, but on the other hand, I know that that there's going to be times when like Paul said there in Acts 20, Terry was quoting that the the whole concept of where you're going to go, you're always going to have to keep in the back of your mind that you're going to be persecuted, maligned, misquoted, and all of these things uh, are, could happen to you, but you still have to tell the truth, and you still have to warn the church, and you still have to correct, and you still have to go out there and do it, albeit with a good heart, albeit with a sound mind, but you still have to do it, and you cannot compromise the Word of God. And that's what I've seen in Terry and Jackie's life through the years. And it's just that personal sacrifice, the, the, the great persecution, the pioneers taking the arrows, and even that element of danger. There's always that threat of exactly. death. In fact, all those apostles in the Bible were killed. Including, right. including Jesus and Paul. Yeah. And so there's always that element there. There's always that, that threat there. 
And uh, so we've just, you know, there, there's a, there's a difference. There, there's an absolute difference. But anyway, we were talking about missions and now missions has gotten watered down and, and just hung on every tag. Um, even a lot of times I'll go to pastors, you know, and, and because I'm a missionary, because I'm an apostle, they'll say, uh, Brother Terry said that we, we support lots of missionaries. And I said, well, tell me who you support. You know, show me, show me your list. Show me who you support. And so many of them will be supporting um, what they call a national missionary. And I've often said there's no such thing as a national missionary. It doesn't exist. Yet it's a church term, and right. churches have used it for decades and decades and decades. And what they what they use that to mean is uh, is is a person from another country who's actually living in their country and ministering in their country, and yet they call them a national missionary. I said, well, there's no such thing. Uh, that'd be like that'd be like a pastor here in the state saying, well, I'm a missionary to America. I'm a national missionary. And we say, no, you're not. You're a pastor. Well, see, the, if a guy's from a pastor from Haiti that lives in Haiti, or a pastor uh, from India that lives in India, a pastor from Pakistan that lives in Pakistan, uh, uh, you know, from the Philippines that lives in the Philippines, they're not a national missionary; they're a pastor. You know, they're either an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, or teacher. And so, if they're pastoring, then they are a pastor. But I had this conversation with Brother John Osteen years ago. We laughed about it and said, you know, the American church is kind of a sucker for. Uh, color of skin, accent, and tears. You know, when an American hears somebody from another country with an accent, they have a different color of skin, and they cry tears, then the church wants to jump up and give them money and say they're missionaries. And and, and I love I love na- what I call national pastors. I love nationals. And I have a lot of them, as you know, that I minister to tens of thousands of them around the world. You've been with me all your life ministering to thousands upon thousands. I mean, we're ministering to 2,000 pastors in, in Cuba. You know, and those pastors are all Cuban pastors. They're not. They're not Cuban missionaries, right? You know, and so um, you know, we used to have the biggest pastors conference in India of anybody. I mean, of anybody, uh, we'd have two thousand pastors that we'd uh, we'd train in the mornings and then have crusades at night. Well, nobody had those kind of pastors conferences back in those days. Uh, not even not even uh, Franklin Graham when he came uh, would not have more than two thousand, even though he's a great and tremendous minister. But but they, you know, we would have these huge pastors conferences. But those guys were Indian pastors. They weren't national missionaries. They weren't missionaries at all. They were pastors. And yet the churches here at home, you know, say, well, we, we want to support these guys. And I always tell them this. I say, well, you know, you need to support missionaries. You need to support somebody from your church or from, from America, or if you're in Canada, then somebody from Canada, or if you're in Australia, somebody from, you know, in your, your nation that's going to another country. That qualifies them as being a missionary. But just supporting a national pastor and calling him a missionary doesn't make him a missionary. Now you've heard me say for years that I, I actually help national pastors uh, in 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 two ways financially. And I help them a lot. I train them and I teach them and I teach them the word and I get involved in their ministry and help them and and, and train them how to beat the devil and make the devil mind them and how to have miracles. But I'm talking about financially. I help national pastors in two ways. I help them. Uh, uh, either, number one, if they're just getting started, I mean, God's just called them, they're just getting started, they don't know what they're doing, and I, I'll help them financially to get started. Uh, number two, if they've got a project that's bigger than their country's economy. Let's say they're living in a really impoverished country in a really impoverished area, and, and I go over there and I see they need a bicycle, they need a Jeep, they need a car, they they, they need a tent, they need, they need something that on their country's economy, it would take a long time to do that, then I'll move in and help them with the project. Uh, another thing I do a lot of times, and I learned this from Brother Wayne Myers down in Mexico, and uh, uh, I'll uh, I'll tell them if they need to build a church building, they'll come to me and say, Brother Terry, would you build us a church? And I'll say, no, 
but I'll help you build a church. If you'll do something, I'll do something. I'm not going to do 100%. It's not going to be the missionary giveaway program. You do something, I'll do something. So you, <laughs> you right. get the land, and you put the foundation in, and you put the walls up, and then you send me a picture of the walls up, and then I'll put on the roof. But, you know, if I did it the other way around, if I said, hey, I'll put up the walls and you put up the roof, then many of them, as you know, Lynn, many of them would never put the roof on. <laughs> I'd just put the walls up That's and they'd right. just meet there for the rest of their lives with no roof. And so I tell them, you do something, I'll do something. So anyway, my point was I help them financially in two different ways. If, they, if it's, they're just getting started or if it's a project just too big for their economy to handle on a short period of time. But otherwise, I don't support them uh uh, monthly, monthly, especially monthly. A lot of pastors in the States, when they tell me, they show me, they support three or four people from overseas and they call missionaries. And I tell them they're not missionaries, they're national pastors. And, uh, and, and they say, well, I'm supporting them. And I said, well, let me ask you a question, pastor. I say, how many offerings do you get each month from Kenya? And they said, well, none. Well, how many do you get from India? Well, none. Well, how many do you get from the Philippines? Well, none. How many do you get from Ghana? None. How many do you get from, you know, China? None. I said, well, who supports you? Where do you get your money? And they say, well, the people I preach to in my church. I say, bingo, that's where the that's national right. pastor should get his. And that's he wisdom. should be training his people to tithe, and he should be training his people to give. He that's should right. be living off the gospel, just like the Bible tells us to, that the man of God needs to live off the gospel. And uh, and and instead of receiving money from overseas, he should be training his people to tithe, which most of them don't. Most national pastors do not teach that. And, and of course, I go and teach them that. You've heard me teach them that for years. And uh, and then they should be teaching them to give. So faith works there just like it works here. That's right. right. Well, and you've made you've made the point for years. Um, and and I'd like for you to bring it to. I'd like to bring it up and have you talk about it a little bit. You say if we don't watch out, the Christians in America will make beggars out of some of these ministries Absolutely. overseas right. because right. we we become their welfare system. They don't do them a service. They do them a disservice. Right. You know, even bringing them to the States a lot of times is not a service to them because they you come to the States, they see the wealth and the blessings and the ease of life as opposed right. to the hardships of life. Right. And they just say, hey, I'm going to stay here. Right. I've seen many, many a national uh, person from other nations come to the States to go to Bible school and they go to Bible school in the States, you know, and never go home. They say, hey, man, I don't know. They, you know, they marry an American girl and they say, I'm just staying here. Well, Brother uh, Osteen. And, and, they don't, and they don't go back. And that, to me, that's a real tragedy. Well, it is. And Pastor Osteen made this statement to Dean and I when we first started pastoring. He said, you're going to grow 10 times faster when you pastor. And I think that really is so very true for national pastors because it will prove out what's in a matter. Yeah, it will prove out in a man or woman's heart why they're in the ministry. Mm. And it will prove out their motive of why they're doing the ministry. And if they're really called to that country, they'll stay there and say, by God, I'm going to prove that it works in the darkest parts of this world. I'm going to prove that what Terry Mize said worked for him is going to work for me, what God said in his promises. And they'll they'll prove that. They'll start teaching those people tithing. It'll be slow going. <laughs> but if they will not let the clock or the calendar beat them in that dynamic, and they gut that thing through that God will meet all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, that man or woman's character will be, will grow and develop, and those people will grow and develop, and God will raise them up to be a light in that area that the Word of God works anywhere. Well, the Word of God great. absolutely works anywhere, and so That's right. I, I, many missionaries over the decades and centuries even have taught the national pastor in some country overseas 
Uh, just make sure you can get to America. If you can get to America once a year, then all your needs will be met. And oh so my. I know these pastors. I know pastors all over Africa, India, all around the world that they just raise money all year long and they just live for one thing to get to America on that one time a year. They'll find somebody's <laughs> conference, somebody's <laughs> convention, and they'll come to just so they can meet American pastors, just so they can meet Americans and uh, get them to uh, become a source of, of income. Right. And then they go back home with a pocket full of money. But then next year they're right back here again. And then next year they're right back here. Yeah, I remember one time brother Osteen, John Osteen, uh, uh, had a, a missionary there from, from Europe and, and, uh, Brother Osteen gave him a, a large offering, like $25,000 or something, which is a big offering back, right. back then. It's a big sure. offering. Big offering now. Sure. It's a big, bigger offering back then. And uh, Brother Osteen gave it to him, and he said, I give you this with one condition. And the the, the man said, well, well, what's the condition? And Brother Osteen said, go home. <laughs> go home. <laughs> do not stay in America. Do not try to raise money That's in America. Right. Do not right. do not continue to stay here. You go. You get on the airplane and go home and use this money for the gospel's sake. Yeah. And and he said, well, but I've got a schedule. I've got to keep a schedule. And Brother Osteen, no, you know, you can't keep a schedule in America. You go home. Well, there are people. We, we make them beggars. That's and God right. never intended us to be beggars. He That's intended right. us to be more than conquerors. Right. Right. Well, well, that, in, in, in the ministry anywhere, you have to figure out how to make the word work and figure out how to right. how to provide for yourself. And that's, that's not right. different for them just because they live in a different country with a with a weaker economy. No, that's right. Well, and that's not, the it's not an American missions. Bible. It's right. not an American gospel. Yeah. Right. You know, I tell people all the time, this is an Eastern religion. It came, right. it came out of the East. It came out of Israel. Right. You know, this is this this was working there before it was ever working here. That's right. right. And right. and that's the beauty and the wisdom I think of what Terry's been saying too is the fact that that if the church begins to understand the it, the very important uh, place they play and and position that they have in praying for missionaries and apostles that go out and do the work and then their ability and their understanding of how to pray for a national pastor and that those pastors in those countries raise up people that will pray for them and raise up people that will pray and intercede on behalf of the work of God in that country. And Terry preaches so accurately that that's where the spiritual authority is. The spiritual authority is with those native pastors, those national pastors, and then the spiritual authority with the apostle and the ministry. They rise and grow in that anointing to really see uh, the separation of that they're proclaiming and pushing it out there. Yeah, no, that's good. Well, as we wrap things up here, Dad, this is the third week of December, and uh, we've been talking this month uh, leading up to this about the money that we raise each year and send to orphans and orphanages overseas to do, to uh, send to missionaries, missionaries' kids, and that sort of thing. Absolutely. Some of the workers in some of these children's Absolutely. homes, and just blessing people. Exactly. And uh, and I wanted to I wanted to have you talk about that just for a minute because again, this is not something we're doing for us. We're a hundred percent of anything that comes in for this project right. goes directly to what no, we're raising. But this, I'm, we're not asking anybody for money for us or, or for no. overhead or for anything else. A hundred percent of this goes. You, you, but, you know, we've always supported orphans and always supported orphanages and 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 uh, over the years every country i've been to i guess somebody takes me to see orphans and orphanages and and some of them just break your heart and then and of course we've always helped them and blessed them financially as we could over the years uh but then over as years have gone by then we've actually acquired an orphanage the first one in india many 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 years ago uh i actually took it away from a preacher in the states because he was raising money for the orphans but wasn't sending it to them and i literally went and got in his face about it and and, uh, and and took it from him. And so uh, that that orphanage, we've had a long, long time, that children's home. 
uh, and uh, it's 100% ours. Nobody else helps them. We, we help them 100%. And then there's other orphanages in Romania that uh, they're not ours, although the government of Romania told me on three separate occasions they wanted to give me three orphanages. And they said, they said, Dr. Mize, would you take these orphanages? And I said, yes, I will, but you need to take your hands off of them. You need to sign them over to me, but, which they never did. So so those aren't ours. When well, India is totally ours, the ones in, in, in Romania – but I have a lot of authority in, and I can make calls and, and you know, make judgments and say, yeah, I'll do this and do that. And they'll listen to me for the most part. Uh, but they're not ours, but we do support them uh, heavily. And then uh, others we've taken on in, in uh, uh, Mexico and in Jamaica and in Haiti. And, uh, of course, they're not ours either. In fact, the, the two Jamaican ones we help are totally belong to the government. And all we simply do, we have no authority, no say-so at all. They just love us because we help them, <laughs> and we love them because they're orphans. And so so we, we've helped them for years. Yeah. Uh, but at Christmas time, your point was that at Christmas time, we always make a push uh, to try to do something for these kids for Christmas uh, in Haiti, in Jamaica, and in Mexico, in India, and in Romania. And uh, last year, we were looking at 10 homes. We were just believing God to help in five nations, and yet enough money came in at Christmas time that we were able to give to 12 homes. So we got to add to uh, 12 homes in five nations that we, we were able to help and bless and send tens of thousands of dollars to them for Christmas, not not each one, but you know, sure. split up over the, over the five nations. But... Uh, uh, this is the third week of December, so we it's time to get the money in. Yeah, we need to get it uh, in. We need to go ahead and get it in. And so uh, Jackie and I started a, a children's foundation many years ago called JMICF, or Jackie Mize International Children's Foundation, which we determined that 100% of that money would go exactly where it was given to. And so, yes, it has expenses. Yes, it has overhead, but we don't take any of that money for expenses or overhead. We pay it out of Terry Mize Ministry. Right. I take my, my missionary ministry, and I pay the overhead so that, Hundred percent of what's given can go to the to the kids, or to the to the thing it's being given to the disaster or the orphan or the or the missionary or whoever the or the widow, uh, and so so every year Christmas time we really make a push to do that. And so I'd love for people to get involved and to send money uh, just immediately this week um, to uh, to Terry Mize Ministries and market for. Uh, orphans, just mark on the memo, it's for orphans, or you can make the check out to JMICF if you want to. I don't care if it goes to the same place. Uh, but just uh, get it sent in or give by, give online. You can go to terrymizeministries.com. You can go to terrymizeministries.org. Uh, you can find us online. You can just Google Terry Mize, and it'll take you you know where you need to be. Uh, and, and you can give by, give online. But we, we need to get the money out and get it to, to those kids for Christmas. And many of them, this is the only Christmas they'll get is from us. And even though Jesus is the reason for the season, uh, Christians in America can get stretched just like anybody else does. So they get stretched at Christmas time and, and running hither and thither and trying to buy Christmas for their kids, their grandkids, or trying to put food on the table so they forget about orphans or our orphans or missions and missionaries can even the church gets left out sometimes at, at the very time that should be Jesus should be first. He gets to be last many times at Christmas because of the, of the stress and the strain of the holidays. Cause holidays aren't all, you know, just jingle bells and fun. People get depressed and hurt and stretched oh, and right. need money, you know, and, 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 uh, uh, you know, they're just different things. They're not make things, make Christians get stretched. And so anyway, we, we do at this time of year really do try to make a push for, uh, to get orphans and, uh, and, and missionaries and widows some Christmas that otherwise wouldn't have it. Yeah. And we, uh, we were able to, to do, what did you say before? Five different nations, 12 different homes last year mm-hmm, that's right. to the tune of somewhere around $40,000. Yeah, have to I look think it's actually the... more than that, but I, I know, I know it's 40 
plus. I'd have to look up the exact numbers on that, but we'd love to do that again. We had a, we 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 intended to do ten homes last year. Um, so much money came in that we were able to do like like we've said before, a hundred percent of this is going to go to this project. So if we have too much money, that's a good problem. We'll just find other places to put it. We'll just find more people to bless. Absolutely. And, so, you know, and if we got ridiculous money in, then, then I know a couple of those missionaries that could use a car and could absolutely. use some, you know a, a house upgrade and a, you know this that and the other. Absolutely. So we want to ask you to prayerfully consider getting involved with that above and beyond your normal missions offering, your normal tithes and, and offerings to your local church or wherever you give. Um, but we want to ask you to get involved with that to touch somebody else and remember what Christmas is all about, that it's not about us. It's about Jesus, and it's about touching people and reminding them of the love of Jesus. And you know, Lynn, if there's pastors listening to us, and I know there are, we get these reports all the time, then pastor, I've, I've asked a handful of my pastor friends, you know, I'm, I'm, some of y'all may be them, but some of you may not be, because I haven't asked every pastor I know, just a handful of personal friends and partners. I've said, just just take an offering in church and ask the people just for a dollar. You know, you don't have to stress them and strain them and, and put pressure on them and beat them over the head. Just simply say, hey, Brother Terry's got these kids and these orphans and these situations. So, you know, today, let's just let's just everybody give a dollar. Even the kids can give a dollar. And, uh, and, and when you put all those dollars together, it, it, it makes it makes a big difference. That's Absolutely. Right. It makes right. a difference. And, and to be able to give these kids and these workers and these missionaries uh, some money at Christmas time makes all the difference in the world. We've said it on previous podcasts, but people don't know how much you they don't care how much, you know, until they know how much you care. And we can show them that we care. Um, by by giving to them and loving on them this Christmas season. So uh, we enjoyed being with you. We believe this has been a blessing to you. For those of you who do want to get involved with us uh, for this pro- this Christmas project, write us, call us, give online, do whatever you want, but let us know. Designate the offering for the Christmas project or for orphans. And as our gift to you, we want to send you a CD we've been giving away this uh, this broadcast month called On Your Way to a Miracle that dad did not too long ago that we know will be a blessing to you. We know will make a difference in your lives. So we're excited about it. We're looking forward to 2017 and uh, we appreciate you being here. We uh, are going to be doing what we always do and that's going around the world, giving living bread to dying men and women. And until next week, we'll see ya. You've been listening to a Mize Missions podcast. For all the latest updates to our global projects, speaking engagements, and social media, visit us at terrymize.com. You can partner with us to give living bread to dying men around the world. Get involved at terrymize.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us. This has been a presentation of Terry Mize Ministries.